0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Turing Podcast. I am really excited. We have another set of guests, not one, but two guests today who are going to be talking all about financial literacy for first gen college students. So, today we have Anna and Jeremy of Brewing Dinero, and I'm going to go ahead and start with reading their bio. Anna and Jeremy are the creators of Brewing Dinero, like I mentioned. They are a recently married couple that are on the path to financial independence. Nice. They are the first in many things, first-generation immigrants from Mexico, first-generation college and grad students, and the first in their families to have the privilege of accessing and utilizing financial literacy to build generational wealth. Their personal journeys have taught them the importance of financial education and the need to continue spreading this knowledge among BIPOC and mixed immigration status communities, they started brewing the niddle with the hope of inspiring others to achieve their own personal finance goals. Wow! Welcome to the podcast, Anna and Jeremy. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Of course, <laughs> I feel like this topic has been something I'm like, oh, we need to cover more about this when it comes to talking to first gen students and uh, first gen students of color. So I would love to hear more. Um, I love hearing people's backstories so I would love to hear more about from each of you like your backstory, your background, personal, professional, educational, career trajectories, anything you feel comfortable sharing Um, and each of you can kind of take a turn sharing a little bit more.
1: Yeah so I'll get started um, just a little bit about myself. So I was born in Mexico, Veracruz, but I came really young, so I have very little memories um, of growing up there. Um, my family and I moved to California, and I've been there pretty much ever since. I went to college in the Bay Area. I went and got a master's um, down in Los Angeles, and then I decided to continue going to school, and I got my PhD PhD. Um, in Santa Barbara. So lots of years of schooling. Um, And I've changed my mind, like most people do, right? I wanted to be a teacher for a while, then I wanted to be like a guidance counselor in high school. Um, But it wasn't until I was actually in college that I realized, you know, teaching is a lot. And I just don't have the patience for that. But I did love the like one on one mentoring type aspect. So I actually went and got my master's in guidance counseling with the hope of like working at a community college. Um, and once I was there, I was like, I actually think I could do research. And so I decided to get a PhD in counseling psychology um, with a really large focus in the impact of undocumented status on the mental health of individuals. And then that kind of ex- expanded to like mixed status families and siblings in particular. Um, because at that point, I think now it's grown a lot bigger, but at that point, there was barely any research that I could find when I was in college. AB 540 was slowly coming around. The DREAM Act was, like, barely making an appearance, so there was just not a lot of resources when it came to mental health among undocumented students and then mixed status families, and then my passion is really focused on sibling dynamics, so my dissertation is what's it like for an undocumented sibling and a U.S. citizen born sibling to grow up with one another? And how does that impact their mental health? How does that serve as a protective factor for their relationship? Um, So that's kind of how I ended up doing that. And now I live in what I used to call the middle of nowhere. So I moved out to the Midwest. Midwest. (laughs) Um, From, from, From
0: Cali? From like North Bay Area, LA? Yeah,
1: (laughs) from the Bay Area to Colorado, because as part Uh, of my program, I had to do an internship, mm -hmm. and I got matched in Colorado, so my first experience with snow was a little rough, and it was during the pandemic, so that came with its own challenges, and then I ended up getting um, a postdoc out here in Ohio, and so now I work for a children's hospital as a pediatric psychologist, so all over the place and ended up over here
0: (laughs) oh that's
1: so interesting very like it's very different from
0: what I expected because you both of you are coming here to talk about financial literacy and so for you to have that very kind of specialized background is super fascinating I can imagine how it like complements and enhances like what you do because you have so many so much knowledge on like different experiences like whether it's childhood, mixed status, household, being undocumented, et cetera. There's so much that you can talk about. That's yeah, great. That's what right. about you, Jeremy?
2: <clears throat> well, um, well, I was also born in Mexico. I actually grew up there until I was 15. So yeah, Spanish is my first language. I finished secundaria, uh, so junior high there, uh, and then migrated to California. Uh, I was also undocumented for like three years while I was in high school. And um, well, it was kind of challenging Um, learning the language. I mean, getting introduced to a different whole new culture. Um, And then I actually had to go back to Mexico to fix my legal status. And uh, I lost a year of schooling in between. Um, But luckily came back. Um, went to community college, so go all of you who are in community college today or have been. Um, great option for um, for the topic that we're talking about today, right? So great way to save some money there. Um, and then I transferred to UC San Diego. Um, I with the thought that I wanted to be close to to Tijuana and and keep my roots fresh there. Um, so I am an engineer by trade. I Graduated in chemical engineering, and then I went to work abroad, which one of the was one of the things that I really wanted to do. Um, so I was lucky enough to find the job that I wanted in the industry that I wanted in a country outside of the U.S. So I started working as a field engineer for Schlumberger. So it's an oil service company. Um, it was funny because my chemistry teacher back in like seventh grade told us once in Mexico. It's like, if you want to make money, you better work for Pemex, which is the national oil uh, company in Mexico, as a petroleum engineer. I was like, and so that kind of stuck in my head for forever, right? And uh, that's one of the reasons why I chose chemical engineering. That's my major. Um, yeah, so I ended up working in the oil industry for a while um, out in Equatorial Guinea, which, fun fact, is the only Spanish-speaking country in Africa with Spanish being the official language. Um, and then when that ended, I think it was in 2014, when all the oil prices dropped down, uh, I had to come back to the U.S. Um, and I was teaching actually, uh, for Upward Bound. It's a first generation, uh, program for high school students.
0: Very familiar with it. I was teaching, <laughs> I was, uh,
2: teaching uh, math and science there, um, trying to figure out what, what was going to be my next move, um. I also had grad school kind of in the back of my head and um, but it wasn't really formalized. I really didn't want to go back to school. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I, I like being a, a professional, staying in the professional environment, um, but nothing was coming up. I uh, couldn't find a job. couldn't find a job. So I was like, you know what? I guess grad school is, is an option. Uh, so I went to a career fair um, and Yeah, I ended up finding a program, a one-year program, that I was like, you know what, this kind of lines up with maybe my next move in management, and um, that's how I ended up in UC Santa Barbara, where Anna and I met. And um, yeah, long story short, after I finished that program, which was, again, one year, she was still in school, I left, I went to the Midwest in Nebraska for my next job, and then uh, after about a year and a half, I was like, you know what? It seems like this company where I'm working doesn't want to go in the same direction that I want to go. So I ended up moving here to Kentucky, where I where we currently live and work. So we live in the tri-state area, so it's really close to Indiana and Kentucky and Ohio.
0: Okay, I for some reason I thought y'all were in Ohio but you're actually yeah, in Kentucky. We're like 20
2: minutes. <laughs> Just 20 minutes.
0: That <laughs> and that's so wild to me that it's so close.
1: <laughs> it is.
2: It's really yeah. close.
1: <laughs> I know. In California, you can drive for hours and still be in the same state. And I drive 45 minutes and I go through Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, and then I'm back in Ohio again. So it's a whole new world out here.
0: It really is. I'm actually in Portugal. I moved here last month and it's it's so different from california because it's so much smaller that i feel like just within an hour you you're just like all different kinds of places or less than an hour actually <laughs> nice. um, yeah. okay well that that's super duper interesting you're back we have ucsb as a connection because i i was at ucsb for close to five years working and my nice. husband did a master's program there the tmp program there that's so that's what i did oh wow nice. Well, so we're here to talk about financial literacy, and you two have a breadth of experience, life experiences, identity, um, expertise. And so I want to hear a little bit more about like how you came to um, start talking about the topic of financial literacy, um, just because I'm, I'm very curious, and I think the listeners will be curious, too, about your life stories. And then, wait, how did you go from this and this to this to now sharing and teaching Um, about financial literacy so if you could just share a little bit about that
1: yeah so for me I think I feel like my financial literacy growing up was very much like college like college is expensive you need to find a way to pay for it scholarships grants and so and I was first gen so my parents were like we're gonna help you financially but you also gotta figure it out Um, and the number one lesson was always save money that's about the extent of my <laughs> right. financial literacy growing up. Uh, I was telling my husband the other day when I was looking through my credit report. I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't get a credit card till I was in my mid 20s." Like, I went through li- like my master's program without a credit card. I don't know how that happened. Um, because I think there is this fear of like if you get a credit card, you're going to like end up in debt and you're going to spend more money than what you need to. Um, but really what hit home was when the pandemic first started and I started to really think about like people losing their jobs like oh my god what if you know my my husband lost his job could we could I support us on my income and we were both I was in Colorado and he was in Kentucky and so and also like I was a DACA recipient so my entire life I thought we can't invest all of that is like not accessible you just have to like learn to save and and all of that until one day I got a package in the mail from Fidelity, which is a brokerage company, telling me that I had money in this investment account. And I was like, what the hell is this? Um, and so I did research and then I realized like um, the jobs that I've had had taken out little money at a time for my paychecks um, to put into this account that was never invested, but it was just sitting there. And that's when I started doing my own research and I was like, oh, like I could have been investing as a doctor recipient for years, you know, since it first came out um, and with the pandemic and having all the time in the world, just like sitting at home and watching the world burst into flames, I just really started to delve deep into financial literacy and realizing like, wow, why is, why didn't no one tell me this? I've been in school for like six years getting a PhD and all I know are grants and scholarships when no one said, hey, maybe you should start a retirement account maybe you should be looking at your, you know, credit, um, history and your credit card use and all of that. Um, so that really is what kind of pushed me to do brewing the nettle, Cause I'm like, you know, sometimes our parents ask us about financial stuff and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing as a 30 something year old. This should be more broadly shared. And I think social media is a place where a lot of people around our age tend to do that. And so yeah. I just one day told my husband, I'm like, we should do this. This should be like something we should do.
2: <laughs> and also don't forget that you started in business school.
1: Oh yeah. So I was actually an accounting Wait, what? major. <laughs> yeah. So I Wait, was, what? I was an accounting major in college one, because my options were be a doctor, like a medical doctor, an engineer or a business person didn't like science, wasn't good at it. Didn't like math. So I was like, I'll be a business major and I'll do accounting, and I will. And then halfway through college, I was like, I can't do this. I hate accounting. I love psychology and like helping people and getting, doing therapy. So I made the switch, and here we are, full circle. Now I'm <laughs> like, I'm. I got a scholarship to become an accredited financial counselor. So I'm like, wow, look at me doing all this math and like <laughs> cash flow statement. So it's a very interesting the way the world works. (laughs)
2: Little detail.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: So um, if you could rewind time, because I I can actually relate a lot to your story as a fellow 30-something-year-old who, you know, only discovered learning about financial literacy and financial wealth building. A couple of years ago, it was, I remember distinctly it was 2018, because I realized, like, this, I have a, a, a real job now, (laughs) a full-time job and a salary. I got to get my ish together. (laughs) And so I'm wondering, you know, I always think if I could go back to you know, if I could go back in time, I would, I would read this book or I would, you know, create a budget or I would do X, Y, and Z. So what are some things that you wish you had been taught either as a child or in college or even, you know, child, child or high school, college, like just like Mm -hmm. basics that, might be i know we can't cover everything in detail but even just introducing topics of things that listeners can maybe write it down and and look up on their own and start to do a little bit of reading or listening to podcasts or audiobooks or whatever it is so that they can learn um
2: well i can share you or share with with the group here the how i kind of paid for my undergrad and uh, maybe that will throw a, a few things in, 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 the, in the mix. So when I was in high school, I participated in the AVID program. So it's another program for first-generation students that are looking to go into college. And in there, my senior year was the first half applications for college, right? And it was all about getting your personal statements and every single detail that the application um, it's part of, you covered it in in great detail. So it was one hour every day, Monday through Friday. And then the second half of the year was applying for scholarships. And believe me, that was our job. Our, Our teacher told us, your job is to make sure that in this semester, you secure as much funding as you can for your next four years. And that stuck with me. Um, I was able to secure um, a full ride to San Jose State. And then I went to Mexico and lost it and came back. So that's when I went to community college. Um, But I was like, you know what? If I was able to secure a full ride coming out of high school, I'm pretty sure I can do it again. And long and behold, I stuck to the same strategy and it worked. So when I was in community college, I was actually getting paid to go to college. Um, when I transferred, I didn't really had any need to apply for any more scholarships because I already had all of my funding secured for. But it was because of me. And one of the programs that I I was really happy about was uh, the Smart Cookie Cookie Scholarship Program. So in there, they taught us a lot about financial literacy. So they had us uh, come up with a budget. They had us uh, manage our own money. So they will deposit some money into our accounts And be like, you need to make sure that every week you come back with a report and tell us where you're spending and what you need to cut in order to make it last. Mm -hmm. So that was tedious because, believe me, coming up with monthly reports when you're with a full load of classes, that was the last thing I wanted to think about.
0: I wish everybody was forced to do that. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it was their way of teaching us to be diligent and to be consistent. And, yeah, I mean, I think after a while, I mean, it was just second nature, right? So you will make sure that you went through everything that you that you had. And yeah, granted, some people had several credit cards. Uh, some people had none. Um, but it didn't matter. You just had to keep a good track of, of your spending habits. Um, so that was kind of how it all started for me. Um, let's see. Then when I started working, um, I was in a pretty nice situation, because I literally had no expenses. So everything in my job was getting paid for housing, food, traveling. So however much I made, I was just saving. And I had one relative in Mexico, who is a, a real estate agent. And one time she told me, hey, she'll think about investing in real estate. So that's how my my whole ordeal with, uh, with investing started in real estate. So I was able to buy a house pretty much in cash uh, back in, in my hometown. How,
0: how do you well? I don't know. I don't know if you were like first in your family, first gen in, in, in buying property as well. Cause I feel like that's such a big milestone if you're the first in the family. So I, I sorry, I wanted to yeah. cut I cut you off a little <laughs> bit. Just have to, fine. like, to um, get to that point. And how do you actually do it? Because I've bought a home before and it was such a big, I think just mentally like realizing I can actually do it and then actually following through with it. And it was a lot of work, (laughs) very intimidating. So how did you navigate that?
2: So I think one thing that helped a lot was having this point of contact, right? So this person that did a lot of the due diligence for me in saying, hey, this house is in a good location. If you rent it out, I mean, you'll have some um, cash flow in there that you can use later on. And I used to go back to Mexico quite often. So I didn't really have to take money out of my checking account. I would just use my rent money for my expenses. So that was pretty sweet. And again, I didn't really have any, any use for my, my money that I was making at work. So I was like, instead of just letting it sit there and earn no interest on it, I was like, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense to just invest it in, in this property. And, um, so yes, I mean, if you can make or start making those relationships and with realtors or with local investors, I think it's great because they can do a lot of that heavy lifting ahead. And once you actually have the funding or you can leverage your connections, you can pull the trigger and say, yes, I want to buy this property. Um, so that's again, how I started. Then um, I think through my Consecutive jobs, uh, I was able to get that 401k and, and try to, to maximize it. Um, when you switch jobs, uh, one tip, uh, make sure that you do not hold that money in your personal accounts because they're gonna tax you really, really heavily. So make sure that you send it from the old job to the new job and you never, never touch it. That's, that's a big one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think for me, if I could go back, Cause I have a, I have an 18 year old sister now. And the first thing I did when she turned 18, I was like, we are opening your Roth account, which is an investing account. I was like, We're she opening it. To you? yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally had to like yeah. hold her hand through the right. process, because she was like, well, she's like, why do I need to do this? I'm like, look, when you're 30, you're going to have so much money. I'm like, and all I'm asking you is to pull $20, $25 from every paycheck and put it in there and she like had a heart attack she was like what but I need that money for like my coffee and my nails I'm like it's 25 bucks a paycheck you can do it um so I made her open an account and just start putting in like I'm like 20 bucks you know when you're 18 feels like the world but like it really is very little and um I think of it more now that I'm in my thirties and I'm I'm pulling so much money from my paychecks because I'm trying to make up for 10 years of like not doing any of that. Um, So I think if anything I can tell people, like, yes, budgeting is foundation and all that. But if all you're like, all you want to do is like, I'm like, I'm lazy. I'm trying to be efficient in some ways. Open an account, put a little bit of money every month and just like invest it you know, into index funds. You don't have to go and pick individual stocks because you don't need to do that. You know, if you just are starting out, just do that and just let that thing do its thing while you do other stuff in your life. Um, But I think if I would have done that early on, I would have, I would not feel the pressure of like trying to catch up, especially when you go to grad school and you're trying to like survive off of coffee and like ramen noodles sometimes because you're just like burning you're burning the end on on both candles per se because you're trying to get through school and you keep telling yourself like I'm just gonna once I get that real job I'll like work on my finances
0: (laughs) I um you know there are two things that stick out to me about you you what you shared Anna. one was that you were able to be the one to um, demystify the process for your sister and help her with actually with the how to. Because one of it is like, oh my gosh, it's big and scary. and The other part of it is like, wait, how do you actually do it? Um, and then the other part of it is, you know, being in your 30s and having to play catch up. Um, either you do it now or you do it later. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe this is kind of a follow up question for both of you is going back in time, how would you navigate that for yourself when it, when, for instance, the topic of financial literacy is very intimidating or it's shameful, or it's taboo to talk about money among your families? And you know, I, can't, I should be doing that, but it's too uncomfortable so I don't want to deal with it. Or I should be doing that, but I actually don't know how. Like I do not know about investing. I do not know how to open up an account. I do not know even what an index fund is. Like, what do I do when somebody's sitting in my account? (laughs) So I wish we all had an older sibling to walk us through that process.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think for me, it's a language. It's like learning English or learning Spanish. Like it is a whole language that is so confusing that it took me, I think, I don't know how many books i read, how many podcasts I listened to be like, okay, maybe now I understand what an index fund is. Um, So like, I really started with um, Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. Uh, Janice, she's amazing. And she's done like so many podcasts on people talking about their journey that really resonated with me. And I mean, it took that plus, you know, Google searching, reading different books, going to the library and checking out books to just be like, you know, to eventually get to a point, like, okay, I understand there's jargon to some degree, um, and I invested in, like, learning how to, learning how the investment process works, because, unfortunately, I think it was created for certain people to have access to, and to have family that could probably teach it to them, right, the way I t- taught it to my sister, um, but it's very confusing, and I think, especially as you get older, you feel like, oh, I shouldn't know how to be adulting. Like, I shouldn't know these things. But like, if you don't have parents to teach you like those things and you got to go out of your way to do it for yourself. Um, so I think it's part of that. And I think also just like recognizing like my parents are entering retirement and, and yes, it's a very uncomfortable situation to be like, let me see your finances. Because in the end, I'm still your child and you will always see me as a child, even if I might have knowledge to impart. Um, so I think it's always this tricky balance of like, you want to help other people in your family, people get very defensive about it's their finances. so
0: awkward and uncomfortable to have these conversations mm-hmm. among family members who, um, who are not um, used to having these conversations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm always like, you know, I'm a psychologist by nature. So I tend to be mindful of people's uncomfortableness and boundaries. And just, I always tell parents, cause I, I work with a lot of parents and, and young kids. I'm like, just model. If they're uncomfortable with it, you talk about your finances, you talk about your salary, you make it so like transparent and open that maybe if they see you doing it, then they're like, Oh, like if she's talking about it, like it's nothing, you know, hopefully they get to a point where they're like, Oh yeah. Like maybe I can learn something or let Mm -hmm. me share my my stuff so yeah it's a very (laughs) it's muddy waters for sure it is
2: yeah I think for me was um making a little more just a common plain topic um I remember one thing that always stuck in my head growing up so I I was raised by a single mom and her go-to line was like no tengo dinero
0: oh my gosh
2: same. (laughs) for everything (laughs) And like I wanted to get something, I was like, no tengo dinero, maybe later. I was like, "Okay, great. Um, So trying to change that language, because I I remember asking my mom, I was like, hey, mom, how do you make ends meet? Because it was two of us, uh, so my sister and I. And sometimes we wouldn't even see her, because she would be working so late. And uh, she reflects back, and she's like, I don't know. I don't know how I made uh, ends meet. and yes, I think every parent or every older um, sibling or family member will teach us something. Um, but a lot of the times, it's also the, the things that they learn themselves and whether they're actually accurate or just myths, they pass them on, right? So I think it goes back to trying to make the, the topic and the conversation as, as common as possible. And obviously, educate yourself in the process so that whatever you're contributing to the conversation <laughs> is actually accurate and educational for everyone.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's um there's two very important parts when you talk about um, finances and financial literacy. It's the the actual like knowledge behind it, the the language, just translating that language, and then there's also that mental aspect of it that has a lot to do with the way that we were raised and the things that our parents pass on yeah. to us, and um, I think that one thing that would be useful to remind the listeners and that I hear from both of you, and it's also kind of in my experiences that our parents teach us things that are useful and things that maybe are not useful. So there are, you know, there are some things that you can keep, you know, using as a learning tool, and other things that you have to try to unlearn over time. So you know, for instance, like my mom, single mom too, and always saying, no tengo dinero. So maybe like you said, reframe that conversation. How can we find a way to afford this? Um, And then, but also my mom, single mom works very hard. I'm like, she taught me to hustle. So I know no matter what, I'll figure out a way. I will figure out a way. So I've never worried that much. I've worried about paying the bills, but I, I always know I'm like, I can hustle. I will figure out a way. And, you know, I've done that. So that's kind of what I hear in in, in your conversations with like talking about your family, siblings, parents is, is just the more we talk about it. Yes, like some things are helpful, some things are not. So taking the good stuff and then unlearning the not so great stuff. Um, and hopefully making the the next generation. Um, Yeah, and And by no means it's
2: easy, right? It's not easy. It's so
0: hard. I'm a mom of two kids and (laughs) I struggle sometimes. I'm like, am I teaching him the right thing? But
1: yes. No, and I think, you know, like I look back at grad school. I mean, now that I have an actual salary job, I'm like, how did I make it in grad school? I was like paying almost $1,000 to rent a room in a house and pay for like groceries and pay for like utilities and I'm like wow like I you really learn to stretch thin and I think that's something our parents teach us is like you can make it stretch as far as you can but now to be in a place of like privilege and luxury that I I'm like oh I do have extra money and yet I still feel like I have to stretch thin sometimes I'm like no That scarcity (laughs) mindset—it's
0: so hard to break out of. I know I'm there.
1: (laughs) So I mean, it's it's and it takes recognizing that, like, oh, why do I feel so guilty? I bought myself a coffee. Like, I have enough money. I'm paying my bills. I'm doing okay. And yet, you have all this stuff that you grew up with of like seeing other people struggle with money in your family or hearing, you know, even as children. I always tell this to parents. And, and when I'm doing sessions with them, I'm like, children hear you children observe what's happening. They might take the information and like twist it a little because they're still trying to figure out what's going on. But like, you know, kids, they can see their parents having financial hardships and really take that in, even though parents try to hide things from them, right? Like kids somehow always figure, th- always learn things and always see things. And, and I think it's always good for parents to be developmentally appropriate upfront about like let's learn about money and like you know making it more of a value thing like you said like maybe this is not something we value having this particular toy maybe we value experiences like this is where we're putting our money Um, but it's hard it's all a learning process
0: the other thing that that comes up a lot. And also as part of my experience is that, you know, I found it very difficult to consider even the topic of financial literacy, when I when I was in a place of survival. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I'm in a place of privilege, I I don't consider myself wealthy, um, in that sense, you know, where I, I'm still on my path to try to learn more about it and, and building my wealth, but I don't have to worry about like, how am I going to how am I going to pay my bills for next month um so I I do think it's it's important to just like think about it as like this is a lifelong learning process to have compassion with yourself you don't have to be you know becoming the next fire movement person right away like just taking baby steps is important and that baby step might be okay let me learn you know, Anna said this term today, she mentioned, uh, I don't know, a, a retirement account, a Roth IRA, or, or Jeremy mentioned 401k, maybe I should probably look them up and what they mean. Or maybe I should look up, you know, what is an index fund me? And just be with curiosity, like, just let me look it up. Doesn't mean I'm starting it right now. Or maybe they have a sibling who can help them start an account. <laughs> yeah. um, but just having that, that compassion, because I think that's the other thing is then if you feel bad about it because you don't know enough, then that also becomes that thing that gets in the way of you taking action.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. analysis paralysis, is it's actually, it's really real. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing is um, when you let your guard down, for example, if you learn a skill and then you kind of forget that you learned it, it can actually bite you in the tail. So my personal example of that was actually going to grad school. Like I mentioned, I had my entire undergrad paid for. I, When I came to grad school, I didn't want to go to grad school. I delayed it a lot. And uh, when I ended up going, I actually took out student loans, which to this day, I'm still trying to pay out. So like I said, I had the strategy down on figuring out scholarships and getting all of that ready. But because I delayed it, Um, now I'm paying for, for that mistake. So learn from me that (laughs) once you learn something, keep it sharp. Um, and if you think that you're going to use it again, try to refresh your, your strategy and how to go about it, because I don't regret going to grad school. Don't get me wrong. Um, but had I planned it a little better, I don't think I would be in the stress that sometimes my student loans cost me.
0: Yeah, that's a really good reminder. And it's even harder because you mentioned you got a master's degree and it's 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 a lot harder to get scholarships and fellowships oh. for master's degrees than say for a PhD, for instance, or, mm-hmm. or even for undergrad. So yeah. I, I know that struggle <laughs> having yeah. to pay off student loans. I, I'm hopeful. I think in in within the next year I'll be I'll be done paying off my loans. Yay. So, like, nice. <laughs> um so we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, but I want to make sure I ask you if there are any other words of advice, so anything you'd want to share to first-gen students of color, folks who are in college, folks who are in grad school, who are new to learning about financial literacy, who may be feeling overwhelmed, uh, but know this is something that they have to learn about, you know, what are, what are kind of words of encouragement or
1: advice that you might want to share with them? You know, I think for me, it's having having compassion for yourself, because I think sometimes, you know, when when we look at financial literacy, there are very extreme points in it. Like, don't ever take student loans. I'm like, but sometimes you have to if you want to go to college and and, you know, upward mobility sometimes depends on that. And so I think having compassion for yourself and realizing, like, it's not a one size fits all. Like, if you got to take student loans, take student loans. If yeah, you are surviving and you need that credit card to like help you get through the month, like do it and don't, you know, don't hate on yourself for that decision because you can always, you know, make change for that later. So I think just having compassion for yourself and just, it's all baby steps. Like again, like it's, it's a whole new world, especially if you've never had that in your in your family system or, you know, even in college, you can go and like never learn about it. I'm sure there are resources but I think back and I'm like, oh yeah, I think I did see a flyer about financial literacy, but I just never, I was just so, I was just trying to get through the next midterm. See? To the time to <laughs> <really that>
0: survival. <laughs> when you're in survival mode, it's so hard to have the capacity to take it on because it feels like this such a big thing. Yeah, Yeah,
1: like next time, next time, next mm-hmm. week, next midterm. Next and then when you're young, term. you're like, oh, I'm young.
0: I'll figure it out later. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, wait, I'm not young anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel young, but I'm not young. <laughs> yeah, so have yeah. some compassion in the process.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, keep that curious mind sharp. Um, so listeners on, on this media uh, or medium, you have taken the first step, so prompt to you. And um, you don't have to do it by yourself. So become acquainted with people that are maybe a little ahead of you, that people that have similar questions than, that you do, and, uh, and see if you can share whatever you have learned or keep asking those questions. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays are becoming a lot more, uh, probably just comfortable with the idea of asking about, okay, what does it mean to be financially free, right? And then we have a bunch of resources that I think over the years have become a little more available. They're actually not free. So like Robinhood, uh, people used to pay a lot of money just to be able to buy stocks. Now you can do it for free. Um, so a lot of those things in the end can help you a lot. But, and then you have to start dissecting, okay, what do I want? Like, what, where do I want to put my money into? Is it in real estate? Is it in stocks? Is it in my own business? It really depends. And only you can answer that. But the more you can take in and then filter out that information, digest it. Because it is overwhelming. So be compassionate with yourself. Take it one bit at a time. Try to digest whatever you take in. And then go out and say, hey, should I give this a try? Or is this not for me? Right. Because not everybody's going to go out and, and buy a house. Not everybody's going to go out and, and start their own business or start their own podcast. Um, but do what works for you.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, you know, especially for undocumented and, you know, DACA recipients and people who come from mixed status families, like there are resources out there and you can, you know, take advantage of financial literacy, the financial education and the financial system in the US. I think it, Unfortunately, it takes a little more work because there's a lot of fear and stigma and not wanting to like identify yourself in that way. Um, But there are resources out there and it's just a matter of like figuring them out. Um, But you know, you can participate and you should participate because we are contributing (laughs) substantially to the financial system in the US. So why not also take advantage of it and, and let it benefit you in some way?
2: And if you're from another country or you can invest in another country, hey, look into that, too. Like we were looking at uh, the stock market version in, in Mexico. Wow. And um, I mean, if you qualify and if you are inclined to do that, hey, why not? I and mean, finances are, are global and are as personal as as you so
0: i think we forget that because when you grow grow up um i know both of you moved to the u.s but so like when you grow up in the u.s it's so easy to just think of like u.s centric think of u.s stocks u.s companies Mm -hmm. u.s just everything in the u.s but you're right there's a whole world out there outside of um that's the reason why my family like why we relocated to portugal lower cost of living which means that you know we don't need to make as much to survive so then everything else that's supplemental goes you know to investing for our future and it's taken a long long time to get to that 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 mental headspace of saying it's okay for me to invest in myself and my family and you know the generations to come because there's so much stigma and negativity associated with you know money making it with wealth building Um, but there's actually also a lot of positivity that can come out from it Um, especially the more that we, you know, we share it as a, as a tool, you know, to enhance our lives and to kind of build our communities up. So that's great. Um, it's been so nice having you both. I, I would love for you to, before we close off, to share how folks can be in touch if they resonated with what you said, if they wanna kind of reach out, connect in some way, shape or form, how can they follow you? How can they get more, more info on financial literacy?
1: Yeah, feel free to follow us on Brewing the Nettle, um, inspired because my love for coffee. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, what kind of brew? <laughs> brewing, brewing coffee. I know people think beer, but I, I, am, I thought I'm beer, not, but I, like I love coffee, coffee. So now I like your name even more. <laughs> yes. Um, so Brewing the Nettle. Mostly, we have um, we have an Instagram account. We also have. A blog that we just started um on brewing um we have a facebook but we generally you can find us more on instagram and dm mm-hmm. us we usually respond pretty quickly if you have questions or if there's a topic you really have interest in or we've done workshops in the past on like student loans and scholarships and like basic you know budgeting things like that so mm-hmm. that's that's where you can find us.
2: Yep, and um, if you're also interested in the one-on-one session, that can that can be uh, an option as well. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the beauties of having social media is that that you can easily reach out, right? And yeah, we usually reply the same day, if not within minutes.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I I love. So I have a love-hate relationship with social media.
2: And before it
0: was just a hate relationship. <laughs> now it's a love-hate. And the love part of it comes from this, this connection is having the ability to connect with random strangers on the internet and help each other out. So I think that's really great. I'll add those links uh, to the show notes for your social media, Instagram, Facebook. And um, if you have a blog link, I'm happy to include that as well. Yeah, yeah. of course all right well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Anna and Jeremy it's been so nice
1: to chat thank you, Man, you too. thank you too small world us all connecting after
2: <laughs> <GCSV.
1: I> know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me in the grad school film drawing podcast if you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemturing at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtoring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.